Thanks for listening to audio from North Monroe. To learn more about who we are, visit northmonroe.com or download the North Monroe app in the App Store or on Google Play. Now, here's this week's message. Good morning. It's good to see everybody back today. Thank you, Blake. Kenny Rogers did this song in the 60s. It wasn't very good, but there was a line in it that said, I just came by to see what condition my condition was in. And I thought, I think about that song, it kind of sticks in your head, because I think sometimes we need to back up and evaluate what condition our condition is in. And January is a good time to do that, not only for you personally, but for us as a church. And so every year at the 1st of January, I do this thing we call the State of the Church. It's a terrible name because it sounds political and it's not at all, but we're just kind of checking our condition. We're reminding ourselves, what is our purpose? Why has God put us in this place? What are we about? What are we supposed to be about? To evaluate how we're doing in that and set some priorities for the coming year. And so I think it's always good to do that. And it starts with what our purpose is. You know, we've been given through Jesus really two directives, two great callings for the church, the great commandment and the great commission. And the great commandment essentially tells us what it is that we're supposed to do and the, I mean, the Great Commission tells us what we're supposed to do, and the Great Commandment tells us how to do it. So let's start with the Great Commission. It's Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. He said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And we discover from this, and these are uh, foundational for our church, these these five governing principles that we, we really evaluate ourselves by. And the first is mission, the word mission. He says, go therefore. And, uh, you know, I, I hear people sometimes say, well, see, there it is. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to go and tell. You're not supposed to say, come and see. But that really misses the heart of it. See, this is a participle. It's not a command. There's only one command in this, in this whole verse, and it's the command to make disciples. The rest of them are participles. And as a participle, it doesn't mean that you've got to get up and go somewhere to do missions. It means as you're going or while you're going or wherever you go, you're always to be about mission. And that's the calling of the church. We're always about mission. The mission of the church is mission. Emil Bruner said that the church exists on mission as fire exists on burning. And so part of our calling is to invite people, come in here, come and see. Part of our calling is to go and tell. And we've done both of those these years. Uh, I mean, this year. We've, we've, uh, we've invited people to come and see. Last year, we invited the whole community to our church. Listen to this. We had three high schools hold their graduations in this building. Um, two McCann School of Business graduations, one Delta Community College nursing graduation, a North Louisiana Honor Choir competition. We had five banquets from area schools for sports, choir, homecoming. Northeast Delta Humane Services held a school event for all the schools in Washita, Caldwell, Lincoln, and a few other parishes. St. Jude hosted a, uh, a Night of Hope benefit concert. Monroe Symphony did their Christmas production here. And you might be thinking, well, that's not coming here, Jesus. That's just come and use the building. And you're right. That's exactly what it is. But here's our idea. If they've already been here, it's not as hard to get them here. You see, if, if they come in to a graduation or to some other event, and then you on mission share with your friend and say, hey, come see what's going on at North Monroe. Well, they've already been here. 
It's not as hard to get them to come here when they've already been here, right? Plus, it blesses the community. But we did invite a lot of people to church at times other than Sunday. For example, we hosted the Chris Tomlin concert in February. The church was full of of church people and non-church people. Uh, In May, Priscilla Shira was here. Um, And man, that thing sold out so fast the first night that they had a second night and it sold out too. And then the night of the event, like an hour beforehand, there was a line of people waiting to get in wrapped around the the building outside. And I'm a little bit offended (laughs) because I'm free and I don't ever see a line to get in here. In fact, we got people out there with signs. Come on in, come on in, please, whatever you do, come in. Man, the place was packed with women. Um, and then we had the women's Christmas gathering. And, and by the way, so much has gone on, and some of you are involved in various things like poor and other things. I don't have time to talk about all that stuff. But the women's Christmas gathering was full of women who don't attend North Monroe campus. Uh, Bastrop campus did a trunk or tree. Uh, uh, at Easter, Bastrop did eggs in the outfield. The Monroe campus did extravaganza. We hosted a cane concert in the fall. We did this huge sportsman's banquet. And the sportsman's banquet not only raised $250,000 in one night to fund our missions for the entire year, but we had people from everywhere come. People don't come to North Monroe. People don't go to church at all. It's fascinating to me how excited you guys can get about an expensive gun. I mean, I'm not a hunter, so it makes no sense at all to me, but... Boy, they came out, 900-plus people around tables uh, raising money for missions. And, of course, both campuses, we had praise in the parking lot. But it wasn't just coming here either because we went and told. You know, North Monroe International Ministry is now in 17 nations. And I think of all the things we do, I may be most excited about that and Joey and, and how our mission team work. Here's a snapshot of the year. Two different groups of men went to build a church in Honduras and built a church basically from ground up and finished it. We had, and I thought this was one of the coolest things because I've never heard of this happening before. We had an all women's team travel to Honduras to train 70 women. How cool is that? We provided pioneer evangelism training for 50 in Honduras. We trained 70 pastors from 11 churches in Brazil. We trained 70 pastors in Dominican Republic. In June, we went to Kawasaki, Japan, and provided training and material for 700. We went to Kenya and Uganda in February to train 400 pastors on the Book of Romans. We trained pastors through Zoom in Burma and Bangladesh. It was so cool. I was training pastors in Burma on Wednesday nights. I would get online at 7.30 and we would train till about 9.30 or 10 o'clock. And you know, they're they're at 7.30 in the morning. I'm 7.30 at night. We're completely around the other side of the world. Uh, What a great world we live in. Um, we, We had a team travel to Saigon, Vietnam to train leaders for discipleship in Myanmar. And we didn't just go internationally. I mean, we support ministries at the food bank and the crisis pregnancy centers and Ray of Hope. And uh, Here's one. We served 287 children with Project 2.5, which is such a cool ministry that was developed by our church to support foster families. And it's become so big that it's sort of growing like a blob that's taking over, you know, portable buildings outside, other buildings, uh, uh, other rooms all around the church as people will come in and get baby beds and uh, changing tables and and diapers and uh, all kinds of stuff just to support the foster families. It's really amazing. And and we've got some work to do there. We serve 300 people Thanksgiving meal at Grace Place. 
We hosted a back-to-school event at the Henrietta Johnson Community Center in South Monroe and passed out 100 backpacks. A North Monroe team traveled to Dallas to help with Operation Christmas Child. And, and as a guy that's traveled internationally, and I've been on the other end of those little Operation Christmas Child boxes, and I've seen the kids and heard them talk about what a difference it makes and how excited they are to get it. It's so exciting to me that we were not only uh, helping bring the boxes in, but our team actually went to Dallas and helped pack the boxes to get them out. Um, and, and so I'm not bragging about all this, and that's not the point at all. I'm sharing it because... None of us know what all's going on. I mean, I don't. You know, people will call me all the time and say, Pastor, uh, what's going on at this time or that time? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm the pastor. I mean, if you want to know what's going on in the church, don't call the pastor. Call the church secretary or one of the other staff. They know. I had to ask everybody, what'd y'all do this year? What have y'all done this year? But if we don't know, then we don't know how to pray. And if we don't know how to pray, we don't know how to support. We don't know how to be a part, right? And I just want you to know that our church is seeking to fulfill the mission of God. We had five retreats this past year. Two men's, two women's, and a student retreat. Hundreds of people coming to Christ through that retreat ministry. But it's not just the retreats that we do here. Uh, Our guys are going all over the place helping other churches do retreats. And out of that, you know, we're seeing God change northeast Louisiana. Uh, So it's really amazing. Why do we do all that? Because our mission is mission. We exist on mission as fire exists on burning. We go, therefore. And and notice uh, that second word is we multiply. Uh, It says of all nations, we're committed to multiplication. You know, there's this this pushback in the church these days against large churches. It's like, well, if a a church grows large, they must be doing something wrong. And I get that. You know, you, you don't always have to... Uh, be uh, committed to the gospel to grow something, right? One of the fastest growing churches in history was Joseph Smith's church in the 1800s. And and I get that. I get that pushback from that. But at the same time, how are you going to fulfill the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations if you don't grow? Because you've got to be willing to grow. People ask me sometimes, uh, Pastor, how big is big enough? And I'm like, well, I don't know if that's the the best question. Uh, The better question is how many still aren't here? You see, there's 150,000 people in Washtenaw Parish. So here it is. When we get to 150,000, we're big enough. Y'all good with that? But until then, who are we going to leave out? When are we going to stop? And so we're committed to multiplication. And we're committed to the message. Notice he says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And that's not only the words in red, those things that Jesus said, but we, we understand it to be the whole corpus of the Scripture. And Paul said, I, I purpose to, to, to communicate to you the whole counsel of God. And so we include the whole counsel of Christ from Genesis to Revelation. Um, and and I, I can't think of something more important in this age when there's so much confusion, there's so much ambiguity to have a clear, thus saith the Lord, because that word of Christ is the only thing that sets people free. So we're not going to take our, our cue from culture. We're going to be committed to the scripture. That'll never change. And then methods. He says, lo, I'm with you always. He doesn't say, and here's how I want you to do it. Throw a big pizza feast and a lot of teenagers. That might work in the 80s. It's not going to work now. They're like, hey, I had pizza yesterday. I don't want any more pizza, you know. Every generation has to decide how it's going to reach that generation. And so the methods have to constantly change. And so Jesus didn't say, here's how you're going to do it. He said, I'll be with you. 
and I'll tell you how to do it when it comes time for you to know. And so what that means is our methods are going to constantly change. The message never changes, but the the methods change all the time. But at the core of it is this commitment to maturity. He said, make disciples. That's the only verb in the whole verse. And it's a command, make disciples. And that's our calling. Our mission is to make disciples. And I think we see that happening. I mean, God's using the retreat ministry. I mentioned that. But, you know, the beautiful part of the retreat ministry is it, this ministry tends to spawn small groups, which is really where the water hits the wheel. Sometimes you can get people to come, and in this revivalistic moment, they can become transparent, and they can, you know, become committed. But uh, if they don't follow through in discipleship, that maturity gets stunted And too often churches have been content with converts instead of disciples. We're committed to bringing every person to maturity in Christ, which means we get together, we're transparent, we're authentic, and we pour the Word of God into them to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that doesn't happen easily and overnight. And, and it happens through groups as those groups get together. We've seen that out of the retreat minute. There's a cool group meeting in Union Parish, not even a North Monroe thing. Some of our guys are involved in it, but they're meeting in a barn. I think I've told y'all about this, haven't I? And, and the cool thing is you've got every kind of guy out there. You've got farmers that farm thousands of acres. You've got, you know, you name it, they're in this room. 50 dudes, they come out on Tuesday and they start at 630 and they end up, who knows when, 10 o'clock in a barn, middle of nowhere. And, and I thought it was cool because you have, there are some pastors there. Um, when, I, when I went, there was this one dude and somebody said something to him, said, man, don't ask me. They said, I'm a meth head. I've only been clean for three months. <laughs> Isn't that cool? That God is working and building disciples and our graded ministries like youth and college and children making disciples. You know, we have over 900 people here on Wednesday nights in disciple training groups uh, every Wednesday night. Life groups have historically been the backbone of this church. It's not just about converts. We want every person to become mature in Christ. We don't give birth to babies and then leave them. We raise them up. As I said, the Great Commission tells us what to do. The Great Commandment tells us how to do it. So let's talk about the Great Commandment. Mark chapter 12, it's mentioned several times. Mark chapter 12, 30 is one of those. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. In one place he says, and this is all the law and the prophets. It it sort of summarizes all of it in one. And, And I'll say this, Jesus changed that second one later. He said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you. In other words, I'm not just loving you. I don't, I'm not just asking you to love your neighbor like you love yourself. I want you to love your neighbor like I love you, which is what? More than yourself. And so how we do the Great Commission is defined by the Great Commandment. To love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor more than ourselves. And when that happens the right way, there's this powerful synergy that occurs. I hesitate to tell you all this story because I'm the hero in this story, and I'm seldom the hero in a story. And if you really knew my heart, you'd, you'd realize that. But I'm telling you this because this past week, God revealed to me how this 
importance of the Great Commandment ties to the priority of the Great Commission. So I'm pumping gas. It's morning. It's about 8 o'clock. This dude pulls up next to me. It's cold. It's 41 degrees. And I don't really see him. He kind of out of the corner of my eye comes walking up to me and says, hey, man, can I have some money? And he's in a T-shirt, board shorts, and sandals. He's all tatted up. And my first thought, I, I felt like the Spirit said, yeah, Bill, you need to, you need to give this guy some money. And uh, so I was like, well, well foot. Because I just got my allowance, and all I had was 20 and 10s. You know what I'm saying? Why didn't I think to get some ones? So I give the guy a 10, and it was perfunctory, obligatory. Here, man. I didn't care about it. And then I looked at him, and I don't know. All of a sudden, I saw a human being, and he was shaking, um, apart from the cold, apart from his addiction. And I said, man, you don't look good. He said, man, I'm not good. I'm in, a, I'm in bad shape. And I said, I said, uh, uh, man, you need to do something. He said, uh, he said, right now I just need a beer. I said, no, you, you need a 12-step. You need, you need to get into Celebrate Recovery or AA. You, you, need to, you need to get into some sort of rehab or recovery. Have you ever done that? He said, he said man, I've done that 18 times. I was like, man, my heart just broke because 18 failures just tells him he's a failure. And... Uh, he said, he said, I've been sober for three years. My birthday is December 31st, and my girlfriend left me, and I fell. And he was wearing a, a honey hole hat. And I said, hey, you know, those guys at the honey hole can help. He goes, I know, man. I used to go to Watts Ferry uh, CR, Celebrate Recovery. And, and I said, well, call him. He's like, he's like I, I will, man, but right now I, I just want a beer. I said, I, I get it. And, and all of a sudden, I don't know what's happening in me, but I'm like, I, I said, dude, this alcohol is going to destroy your life. It's going to take your life from you. And he goes, I know, man. He said, I don't have, I, I have nothing. And he starts to tear up. His voice kind of quivers. And I start to tear up because I'm not looking at him now as some obligation of faith. I'm looking at him as if he were my son. He could be my son or he could be my nephew, or he could be my brother, or he could be my grandkid, because that's what he is. He's somebody's son, he's somebody's brother, he's somebody's grandkid. And all of a sudden, man, the, the situation he's in was so troubling and heartbreaking that it just deeply wounded me and affected me, because I, I suddenly took on his pain. And I, I said, can I take you somewhere? Can we do anything? He's like, not right now. I said, can I pray with you? And I hugged him up and I prayed over him. And um, he said, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, I'm going to go in there and buy a beer. And I, I said, I get it. But uh, this afternoon, would you call somebody? Would you call CR, call those guys at the honey hole, whatever? And he said, he said, I might. I don't, I don't know if he will, but his name's Robert. And I, I want you to pray for Robert. Because our world is full of robbers. And we can go out and we can say, okay, my job is great commission. If you don't do it with the great commandment, you haven't done it. If you don't see them as people. Because here's the thing. How do you judge a dude when your heart is breaking for them? 
You see, our mission is to make disciples. Our method is love. And, the, and it's the Great Commission, Great Commandment. So, so the question is, how are we doing in this, okay? How do, how do we know that we're being faithful to this? Uh, how are we fulfilling our calling? And, and the question then becomes, how do you measure this stuff? I mean, is it just about numbers? Because that's our challenge. Is it just going to be about numbers? And, and I get it. There's a lot of people that are like push back on numbers. You know, they're only about numbers. They're only about buildings, bodies, and budget. And I was kind of that way. And then uh, somebody told me one time, he said, but you know, every number is a person. And every person matters. So that means every number ought to matter. And then another guy said, you know, if God's opposed to numbers, why is there a book in the Bible called Numbers? The truth is there are different ways that the Scripture uses word pictures to describe church. One of those is as an army. How do you evaluate the effectiveness of an army? Well, isn't an army's effectiveness determined by its ability to accomplish its mission? And how do you know whether or not an army has accomplished its mission? Well, it, it comes back around to numbers. So if we're called to reach people, to make disciples then that's going to show up numerically. And so in that regard, we have to talk about numbers a little bit. How many people are attending the church? Well, worship last year was the highest attended year in the history of the church, which is really something because we just went through COVID. And I'm telling you, two years ago, we had about half a church. And a lot of us in leadership said, well, this is all God's going to give us, so let's figure out how to make this work, and let's just live with what we got, and we'll start over. And here we are two years later. The attendance at North Monroe was higher this year than in 2019 before COVID. The average attendance for the whole year, and this is summer, holidays, everything, was 1,929 people. That's the highest we've ever had. And, and also, one of the things that came out of COVID was our online ministry, and we have 200 plus people every week um, who are tuning in with, and we only count computers, you know, some people say, we'll count 1.5 per computer. We don't do any of that. It's just, we, we take the number of five times during the morning service and then average it out. How many was that average? Is a little over 200 people are, are on computers. This year at Easter, we had the highest Easter ever, 3,661 people attended our church. The Christmas Eve service had thousands of people. We couldn't even count. We were trying to count candles. We didn't, we we're like, I don't care. Let's just sing. Which is kind of, it's kind of bothering me because that's becoming one of our most popular services and I don't preach. <laughs> I'm getting the message. 2023, we baptized 178 people. And we added a total of 263 new members. Over the last five years, and remember two of those years were COVID, we baptized 540 people and we've added 1,039 new members. Financially, we saw growth too. And listen, God's not after your money, He's after your heart. But what you do with your money has a direct reflection on what's going on in your heart. What did Jesus say in Matthew 6? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This year, at the end of our year, with two Sundays left, and it was Christmas Eve and New Year's, we were behind budget $214,000. So much so that Warren was in a panic and I was concerned. And so we sent out a letter, hey everybody, just letting you know we're, we're kind of behind. We've never been this far behind this late in the year. Don't know where you are, no pressure, but if you can help, help. You guys gave, in those last two weeks of the year, $770,000. That's staggering. We ended the year $435,000 over budget. 
And you know, it's like Paul said, it's not the gift, it's, it's what's happening in your heart, you know. Philippians 4, 17, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek the profit which increases to your account. Now look, attendance, baptisms, all that stuff in 2023 is great. There is a number that we're, we're concerned about, and that's life group numbers. They have declined. They have not come back from COVID. Used to be we were running about 70% life group to worship attendance. Now it's closer to 50%. And so we really want to make that a matter of priority in the coming year. But, you know, the church isn't just like an army. It's also like a family. And, you know, 1 Timothy 3.14 says, God's family is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And the health of a family is seen in the strength of the relationships, not the number of people. Just because you have a family of 100 people doesn't mean it's a good family. Families are measured by, is that a place of love? Is it a place where I can be honest? Is it a place where you can go when you're hurting? Do the members care more about each other than what other people think? Are they more concerned with the individual relationships than the overall financial health of the family? And, and, and it's really not something that you can get at numerically, but it's more of a feeling, you know? When you walk into a good family, you just kind of know how it feels, don't you? You know what I'm talking about? You walk into a healthy family, and it's like, Hey, this, this is a place of health. I want to be a part of this. And, and I, I hear that a lot about North Monroe. Like it feels different. It, it's a place that feels right. And I really think that that's a part of the love. And you see it sometimes through the organized ministries, like our deacons who are doing all kinds of incredible things. They're building wheelchair ramps. They're changing light bulbs. They're helping with plumbing and all for our widows and our single moms. It's been phenomenal. I, my, I went to my doctor one time, and her husband's uh, been diagnosed with Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or, or dementia, something like that. I don't know, but it's something like that. And our, our guys had been to her house and built a wheelchair ramp, and she was so grateful, just couldn't say enough. And they, they're doing that all the time. And sometimes it's through that organized way of, of what Wendy does, and, and, uh, but sometimes it happens informally. Um, I know a, a life group... Where, uh, where the husband, and it's one of our young adult life groups, where the husband's struggling with alcohol addiction. And, you know, for, uh, the first thing you always do is you kind of try to hide that stuff and kind of keep it under wraps. But, but uh, the wife couldn't do that anymore, and so she kind of basically tells the group. And, you know, instead of becoming judgy or making her feel uncomfortable or awkward, man, they just poured into her, just all over her with love, supporting them, helping them financially, physically, in every way. And, you know, I just see that happening here. And I see it as people taking that love from here into their own world. And that's really, to me, that I had a, I had a girl come up to me a few weeks ago. I call her a girl. She's a woman. But, you know, when you get old, everybody's a girl. But um, this girl walks up and she hands me a a letter, and it really impacted me. I read it. it said, she said this, and I'm just a few things out of it. I've been in and out of North Monroe since sixth grade. I've been taught so many things. I've also been passionate about learning and helping others love to learn too, so I decided to become a lifelong learner, a.k.a. a teacher. Being a teacher is the most challenging thing I've ever done. I have 67 students in my life. Students that have so many needs, hurts, questions, insecurities, and challenges. And I thought... I was going to be teaching English, but it's so much more. It can be overwhelming, frustrating, and discouraging, but I love them so much. 
Please pray that my students will see the love of God every day in that room. I mean, that's where the water hits the wheel. It's not what we do in here. It's what we do out there. When, we, when we're faithful to the Great Commission through the Great Commandment, to love God with all our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. I mean, we had this tragedy this past week. These six boys are involved in this fire. And, and Tarver Braddock lost his life through that. And you look at that and you just, you can't sort it out. It's like, I make, you know, God, where are you? And I get that. I know God's good. I know He's good. And I know He can take the worst thing imaginable and work it out for good. But right now, those families involved, they just needed love. And they needed presence. And they're not members of our church, primarily St. Paul's, I think. But man, our people have been there for them. And one of the most powerful things is just presence. Just There's no words to say it's going to make it any better. It's just, I'm just going to sit with you and cry. I'm just going to sit with you and hurt. And some of that was people in our church who've lost children have started to connect with this family that's lost a child. And I don't know of any other way to be a part of that than that. And that's just, how do you measure that? You go, well, we had 13 people do this. and You don't measure that. But you feel it. And you know you're being faithful to what God's called you to do. So where do we go from here? Let me give you five priorities for 2024. First is we got to add staffing in students and children. We're running over 200 every Wednesday night with students. we got two guys on staff taking care of that, and they're overwhelmed. I mean, because one of them not only takes care of students, but he also has to serve double duty as the pulpit guy, the podium guy. I mean, how do you do all that? We wanted to add two new staff, but we felt like we could add one. That's where that finance comes in because we thought we were going to have to come back and cut the budget for the coming year because we were were so far behind. But now we're going to be able to add those staff to the students and the children. You know, every Sunday morning right now, there's over 200 kids in our children's area under the age of five. If you don't think that's a lot, you just go in there and sit for a while. That's why you're in here. We've got to address the parking problem. It's a problem. You're like, everybody's like, it's a good problem. It's a problem. And it kind of to, to help solve it, we went out with a sledgehammer and knocked a curb out and said, you guys with four-wheel drive, go park on the grass. And I, I think they'll be excited about that because they finally get to use their four-wheel drive, right? But So drop mama off at the door, you go park in the grass, and then you can mud it all the way out. I don't care about ruts. You know, I'm not here to grow grass. We're here to grow people. And then we got to provide space for 2.5. That thing's growing, it's reaching people, and we need more space for that. And we got to focus on life groups. Um, we got to get that back to where it needs to be so it's healthy and everybody's in a group because it's about maturity. And then I'd say the last thing is we got to keep doing what we're doing. 2 Timothy 3.14, you, however, continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And God's doing exciting things in this church, through this church, through you. But you know, before I close, i I got to know this. I, I feel this. 
if, if you're not a part of North Monroe, you didn't come here to hear about North Monroe. And I get that. You came here wondering, can God help me? Is there anything he can do f- for me? Am I beyond help? And I, I, before we close, just let me say this. This is an unusual week. It's about the church. But, you know, I want you to hear that the same love and the same life and the same power that you feel manifested in the relationships of this family, this body called North Monroe, is available for you. And if you will cry out to him, that burden you're carrying, he's going to lift it from you. That shame, that guilt, that regret, that remorse, that sense of hopelessness, that sense of purposelessness, that sense of of failure, God wants to take that out of your life. And I don't want to leave here without giving you the opportunity to respond to that because the scripture says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy. Is that Blake Shelby? Blake Shelby, turn your phone off. What in the world? Olivia. He's a deacon. I can do that. But let me say this. If you need Jesus right now, cry out to him. Because the same, the same freedom we feel in Christ in this place, God wants to give to you. The same power of transformation, he wants to work in your life. And he can do that this morning if you'll open yourself up, cry out to him and release yourself to him. Now, some of you are here and you know Jesus as your Savior, but for whatever reason, you drifted away. It's January, it's new commitments, I'm coming back. And you're wondering, will God accept me back? The answer is yes. You're right where you need to be. Follow through on it. And recommit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And some of you are here and you know God and you're walking with God, but you've tried to walk alone. And you're tired and you're isolated and you're lonely and you're wondering, I don't know how much longer I can do this. God never meant for you to try to do it alone. God doesn't give birth to spiritual orphans. We're all supposed to be a part of a family. And you have heard about this family today. So come join us and be a part of this family. If you don't have a church home, Come join us, and we'll do life together. I'm going to pray. Blake's going to, where is Blake? Blake's coming. There he is. Man, new year. I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're going to sing a song, and after we sing that song, I've got, I'm going to have guys over here at these places where it says belong. And if you need Jesus or if you just need to say, you know, it's time to recommit or if you need a church family, let's do this together. Father, thank you for this place. And I pray for those that need Jesus today. I pray today would be the day. Help them to realize that their burden is heavy, but God, you're going to lift that. You want to do that. You desire that spirit which you've made to dwell within them. Give them the courage to say, God, I admit my sin best I know how. All that I understand about me, I give to all that I understand about you. 
And Father, I pray for those that have drifted away and now they're back. Like the prodigal son, do I really belong? Is this really my place? Help them to realize it is. And Father, we thank you so much for what you've done in this church and what you're doing, not only here, but around the world. Help us to stay out of your way and to be your people, that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing. Our hope is that this message has encouraged you to seek Christ in your own life and make Him known wherever you are. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.